Hey there. My name is Ian Forrest Jones, and I am the pastor for Norellan Community Congregational Church, located in Norellan, a southwest suburb of Sydney, Australia. We want to encourage and equip your friendship with Jesus wherever you are and however you can. This Deeper Dive podcast is for those who want to dive deeper into the biblical texts and issues raised as I research and prepare my sermons. To get the most out of this podcast, therefore, you really should listen to or watch the sermon first. I offer these reflections only for those who are interested in reading the Bible better. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback afterward, I would love to hear from you. You can leave a comment on the show notes page for this episode or contact me using the contact form found on our website at www.norellincong.org.au. This Deeper Dive episode is actually loosely based on two sermons, the first being Christ Appearing to His Own, which I delivered on the 28th of May, and the second, Freely You Have Received, Freely Give, delivered on 18 June. Take the time to watch and or listen to them. Both are available on the website, but I will now summarize the relevant points. Pentecost Sunday is the day on the Christian calendar that we commemorate the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples at Jerusalem. This year, being 2023, Pentecost Sunday fell on the 28th of May. Christians often make the mistake of assuming this was the first time the Holy Spirit made an appearance or that the Holy Spirit filled believers. The problem with this thinking is that only Luke records this extraordinary miracle in his book, The Acts. In his record, Luke described Jesus as instructing the disciples to remain in Jerusalem, for they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. My scripture focus that day came from the Gospel of John, which highlighted for us another story of Jesus, where he breathed on the disciples so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So we have two stories, more or less, describing the birth of the church. By birth of the church, I mean that the first believers received their commission to evangelize the world and the power with which to do it. Now understand I am not pointing out a discrepancy or a contradiction in the Bible. We have no reason whatsoever to believe anything other than both these events happened. They do not in any way compete with each other. The problem is in our interpretation of these events. That first Christian Pentecost was an extraordinary event. Of that there is no doubt. Luke was correct in highlighting it the way he did for his book and the message he wanted to share. However, it seems John did not hold that first Pentecost in the same regard or he simply had a different message to share. He chose to instead highlight a different moment when Jesus commissioned the disciples and breathed on them the Holy Spirit. There is no issue with the record of events, only with our interpretation of what the events mean. For our own reasons, 
we often want to label an event as being something other than what it was. For some Christians, they want that first Pentecost to be the first time the disciples experienced the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason. However, this is simply not true, and the story from the Gospel of John proves it. Similarly, my sermon on 18 June highlighted another and earlier story from the Gospel of Matthew, which is also recorded in the Gospels of Mark and Luke. In that story, the twelve disciples are named and commissioned to drive out unclean spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. A couple of verses later, Jesus worded the commission a little differently. He instructed them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, and drive out demons. As an aside, Jesus here set up the disciples to continue his mission, to speak and act in his name, and to perform the same deeds of power as Jesus himself was doing. However, they were not given authority to teach until after his resurrection. That is fascinating and means something that will distract me too far from the present topic if I continue on this tangent. So anyway, the disciples were given authority and power by Jesus to do things they could certainly not do by themselves. Surely this is a record of them being given the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit is not mentioned specifically. There would be no way the disciples could raise the dead without the power of the Holy Spirit. So early on in Jesus' ministry, the disciples were given the Holy Spirit. Now, as I've noted, some Christians interpret Pentecost as being the first time the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples. Knowing this, I mentioned on 18 June how I was surprised no one spoke to me about this issue following my sermon in May, when I first brought up the earlier story of Jesus giving the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Funnily, there was a guest present for my sermon on 18 June. He was himself a retired minister, so he came up to me after the service and offered this interpretation. In the earlier stories, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, but at and following Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is in the disciples. Now, I don't know what was running through his mind when he offered this interpretation. It is, in fact, an important distinction that is worth noting. Did he mention this to me to correct me or to offer a possible solution? Was he being snarky or genuinely helpful? I cannot say. He only offered the interpretation and then went to morning tea. Our conversation was pleasant, and I believe he even offered a positive comment about the service. So I'm not assuming anything about his intent or attitude. However, it is such an important distinction that it is worth sharing with you and commenting on it. Why is it important to distinguish between upon and in? You might remember, at that first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to the gathered disciples, and they were enabled to declare the magnificent acts of God in languages understood only by the variety of Jews who had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem at that time. This was truly an extraordinary and supernatural event made possible 
only by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Peter stood up and began to teach the crowd the significance of this extraordinary moment. To help make sense of it, Peter quoted from the prophet Joel, who wrote, And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Notice that Joel's prophecy only described the Holy Spirit as being poured on all people. That first Pentecost, then, was and is thought to be the fulfillment of that prophecy, the dawning of a new age, when the Holy Spirit would be available to people in a way previously unknown. The question is, how is the Holy Spirit available to people differently? According to my new retired minister friend, the Holy Spirit is now in people where he only came upon people previously. The implication being, the Holy Spirit is now permanently in believers, whereas he was only temporarily upon people previously. Now that distinction is one possible interpretation. The problem with it is that Joel's prophecy only said the Holy Spirit would come on people. Whether that is describing a permanent sense or a temporary sense is not exactly clear. This interpretation does not explain what was going on with the disciples earlier when Jesus gave them power and authority. How temporary is temporary? When Jesus gave the apostles the Holy Spirit, he was sending them ahead of him to prepare the way for him as he traveled from town to village around Galilee. His earthly ministry was for at least three years. How much of this time, then, did the apostles prepare the way for Jesus, having the power and authority of the Holy Spirit? If for more than a week or a month, this is not really temporary anymore. To say the Holy Spirit was only upon them but not in them, is no longer a meaningful distinction, if you get my drift. Further complicating the matter are the stories of the kings Saul and David. In the book of 1 Samuel, it is recorded that Saul met a group of prophets. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he prophesied along with them. That sounds an awful lot like what happened at Pentecost, doesn't it? Sometime later, the Spirit left Saul. Similarly, in Psalm 51, David wrote, Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, which clearly implies he felt as if the Holy Spirit was with him for some time and could be taken away. Well, what are we to make of that? Now understand, I am not saying that retired minister was wrong. I just do not believe his interpretation is sufficient to explain what is going on. This is likely due to him not really understanding what was my point in raising the issue at all, since he was not present for my first sermon. With those two sermons, I was merely flagging an interesting issue regarding our theology of the Holy Spirit an issue which arises when we begin to interpret the precious few stories contained in the Bible that even mention the Holy Spirit. The fact is we know very little about the nature and ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
we can almost say she is the forgotten person of the Trinity. This does not mean the Holy Spirit does not matter. Of course the Holy Spirit matters, and for all the reasons that are described in the Bible. However, we need to concede theologies about the Holy Spirit are always going to come up far short of what we would like because the Bible does not tell us enough for whatever reason. Thus, we are left to speculate on some things, like when and where does the Holy Spirit come upon a person versus when the Holy Spirit is in a person. From my reading of the whole of Scripture, it seems to me the Holy Spirit came upon people in a temporary sense in the stories of the Old Testament, but became more permanent in the New Testament. This is problematic, however, because I believe it has always been the Holy Spirit's ministry to convict of sin, judgment, and righteousness, not just after Pentecost. So if the Holy Spirit is always with us, guiding us toward loving, trusting, and obeying God, how useful is the distinction between upon, on, or in anyway? Something new between the Holy Spirit and humanity did happen, however. For the prophet Ezekiel wrote, The Lord God said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful not to obey, or be careful to obey my regulations. Now, most Christian theologians and believers understand that new relationship was inaugurated at that first Pentecost. And I agree with this interpretation. And my guess is, so too does that retired minister. Finally, I believe God's promise is the Holy Spirit is available to the friends of Jesus in a permanent sense only insofar as we remain faithful. Now, I know there are people who will disagree with me on that assertion, but that discussion will have to wait for another episode. For now, thank you for listening. I hope you found this deeper dive helpful. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, then you can leave a comment on the show notes page or contact me using the contact form on our website at www.norellenkong.org.au. Let me remind you, the whole point of producing this podcast is to spark conversation so that we may learn and grow being built up together. Do not be afraid to express doubt or even certainty. However, be willing to engage in conversation for everyone's mutual benefit. The saddest aspect of this topic for me is that the retired minister was not actually inviting conversation. Instead, he was merely throwing a platitude at me, as if that settled the matter. Without conversation, however, I do not actually know what was his point. Similarly, a member of our church sent me a text message while I was preparing this episode, a text consisting only of a Bible verse. Judging from the verse's content, I gather he was trying to weigh in on this topic, but I don't actually know since there was no explanation. This approach does not settle this or any matter, nor does it allow anyone an opportunity to grow. I am grieved our congregation seems to be making little progress. I hope my efforts 
will change our attitude toward each other. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you and fulfill in you the free, full, and forever life promised by Jesus to his friends.